Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. And joining us to discuss the Chinese spy balloon, we have Bill Gertz, national security correspondent for The Washington Times. Gertz is a 20-year expert on the Chinese communist regime, and he's published eight books on national security. Gertz will offer us his insights into the spy balloon incident, overall U.S.-China policy, and Speaker McCarthy's upcoming trip to Taiwan. Bill Gertz, national security correspondent for The Washington Times, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, Bill, so I first want to ask you about your thoughts on the Chinese spy balloon. What are you specifically monitoring or watching for after this incident surfaced? Well, uh, clearly the Pentagon has details on this uh, spy balloon, which indicates that it's not a weather balloon, as Beijing has said, but it, in fact, it's a maneuverable high-altitude surveillance platform. Uh, and this brings up the question of spying. What were they spying on? Uh, the balloon was tracked from the Aleutian Islands near Alaska, where we have large numbers of missile defense facilities and sensors, through Canada and down through uh, Montana, where 150 Minuteman III ICBMs are based. The balloon is what they call a near-space uh, aerostat vehicle, and as such, it could be useful for China, which has a major nuclear force buildup, for targeting U.S. ICBM fields like those in, in Montana. Additionally, because it uh, is floating on the edge of space, it could provide the kind of data that China will use for its new hypersonic missiles. These are ultra-high-speed missiles that fly right at the edge of space and can maneuver to their target. They're high-tech weapons because they can defeat uh, our missile defenses. So from your perspective, do you think this is the Chinese government just trying to show posture? Are they posturing? Are they uh, trying to send a message to the U.S.? What do you think their point is behind this? Well, they certainly miscalculated because they scuttled the visit to Beijing by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, uh, who was set to go there uh, to try and reset relations with Beijing. Uh, after President Biden met with Xi Jinping in Bali, Indonesia in November, uh, the administration is taking a new appeasement-oriented approach to China. And this has scuttled that, which is actually a good thing, I think, because uh, China is clearly the existential threat to the United States. Um, it could possibly be retaliation for the numerous uh, RC-135 Air Force surveillance flights, which have been taking place regularly along the coast of China. In fact, there was an incident not too long ago where a Chinese jet fighter made a dangerous aerial intercept of one of those RC-135. So it's possible sending the aerostat over the U.S. was kind of retaliation, saying, well, if you're going to spy on us, we're going to spy on you. Got you. Um, so how, what is your take on how the U.S. has handled this issue particularly, but also how the U.S. has handled relations with China over the past couple of years as well? I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. Um, the Trump administration initiated revolutionary new policies towards China. Uh, no longer 
was the 40-year policy of unfettered engagement, looking the other way on nefarious Chinese behavior, uh, whether it's human rights abuses, whether it's uh, uh, selling weapons and nuclear and missile goods to rogue states like North Korea and Iran. Uh, and most importantly, the Trump administration recognized that it's the Chinese Communist Party and communist ideology which are behind these bad behaviors. This was really uh, a new uh, point because for, like I said, for 40 years, the idea was that there really was no uh, threat from Chinese ideology. They didn't believe it. The Biden administration has adopted some of the policies of the Trump administration. But right now there's a debate within the Biden administration between uh, more leftist radicals who want to uh, make up with China and develop policies that would supposedly mitigate climate change and basically uh, put aside the hardline policies that were initially adopted by the administration. And I see them winning out in the sense that uh, uh, the Biden administration is trying to reset relations with China. So I want to now ask you about McCarthy's expected trip to Taiwan. This follows, of course, former Speaker Pelosi's trip. And of course, these two, tri these two trips sparked immediate backlash from the CCP. What do you make of the speaker, somebody in a speakership position going to Taiwan? What does that say about the state of relations between the U.S., Taiwan, and the U.S. and China? Yeah, it's very significant. Um, again, we would hearken back to August of 2022 when then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi made a landmark visit to Taiwan, and we saw an unprecedented reaction uh, by Beijing. In fact, they launched the largest uh, war games around Taiwan that we've ever seen, and they included uh, nearly a dozen uh, missile firings that actually bracketed the island, and it was really a rehearsal for an invasion of Taiwan. Um, that said, uh, there are new concerns within the administration that uh, the Chinese Communist Party has stepped up preparations for some type of attack on Taiwan. And just recently, we saw a memo from General Michael Minahan. He's the Air Force Air Mobility Command. And he revealed that in October of 2022, Xi Jinping held a war council on Taiwan. And General Minahan said that he believes that China will go to war with Taiwan, which will involve the U.S. As in defending Taiwan in the next two years, by 2025. Um, the timetable is hard to say, but clearly there's some new information and new intelligence indicating that the danger of a conflict with China over Taiwan has, has sharply increased over the last three or four months. Thank you for speaking with us today. We appreciate you. And the U.S. being joined by allies with these export controls is crucial to dampen China's ability to compete in the advanced digital tech sector. To break down the significance of these economic policies, we spoke with Stephen Ezel from the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. Here's our discussion. All right, Stephen Ezel, Vice President of Global Innovation Policy, thank you for joining me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. What, what kind of impact will this, these export controls from U.S. and these other countries have on China? How advanced, how far along is their capability for producing semiconductor chips? Will it 
significantly impact them and hinder their ability moving forward, or are they already pretty far along in the process to continue? When we think about you know, the leading edge of chips today, on, on the logic chips, uh, they're at the two to three nanometer level. Uh, you know, China is just getting to the point that they can reliably make 14 nanometer chips. Um, so they're already several years behind uh, the United States and world leaders. Uh, this restriction on access to the leading edge tooling equipment is going to likely keep them several years further behind going forward. So it is a substantial uh, announcement by the United States and its allies, uh, and it is going to severely inhibit and compromise China's ability to compete in the global semiconductor market at the leading edge. And when you say it'll hinder their ability to compete in the global marketplace, uh, what products are we talking about here? Why is this so significant? Well, of course, semiconductors really control any device in the world with, with an on-off switch. Uh, they are the brains of any electrical equipment, from a car to a computer to a smartphone to networking equipment to servers, right? Um, so when China looks to uh, be competitive with the United States and other countries across a whole range of advanced technologies from artificial intelligence to hypersonic missiles to quantum computing to high-performance computers, uh, the uh, making it more difficult for China to acquire these fundamental inputs that are the brains of all types of advanced digital technologies uh, is, is going to set them back to some degree uh, in their ability to compete in these industries. Um, and in particular, it matters because if you think about the ability to make competitive products on global markets, right? Take, take a smartphone, right? Smartphones that uh, have the longest lasting battery, that uh, pack the, the, the largest amount of memory, the support the most amount of applications. You need the world's most advanced semiconductors to do that and to stay on the cutting edge. And the expert controls that the Trump administration and the Biden administration has now continued on Huawei, for instance, uh, has had a very significant impact uh, in precluding Huawei to bring a competitive 5G phone to the marketplace. Uh, in fact, after the introduction of these expert controls on Huawei itself, their uh, uh, revenues fell by fully 33 percent uh, in 2020. Uh, so it's had a substantial impact on Huawei, uh, its ability to make globally competitive smartphones. And that's just one example. It'll affect every downstream industry that China competes in, from high-speed rail to cars to servers. So we obviously know that Chinese intellectual property theft is uh, an issue here. Um, from your take, do you think that China has not gotten their hands on the technology that they, by, by stealing it from the U.S. yet? Uh, you know, it, China has explored every possible avenue they can to acquire foreign technology. Now, in this particular case uh, of the most advanced uh, semiconductor manufacturing equipment, um, it, it seems pretty clear that they have not been able to acquire that technology yet. Uh, certainly, they've tried. Um, but this is certainly one of the most significant, quote, choke points 
that exist uh, in the modern uh, uh, digital global economy. This is why it's important that uh, the United States move in lockstep with allies, and that's why it's so important that uh, uh, we have secured last week this uh, agreement with Holland and Japan uh, that we would restrict uh, their leading manufacturers, ASML in Holland, uh, Tokyo Electron, uh, and, and uh, Nikon in Japan, uh, from selling to uh, Chinese companies the most sophisticated semiconductor manufacturing equipment. And it's really incredible, that equipment, by the way. Uh, if you think about just the laser that goes into an ASML extreme ultraviolet lithography machine, and EUV machines, they're the ones that use light to uh, print microcircuits on silicon wafers, but the laser alone has over 450,000 parts, and that's just one component of this, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, 150 million dollar machine. So we're talking, you know, the, uh, some of the world's most sophisticated technological equipment developed over, you know, a course of decades uh, by ASML and its global partners, um, and uh, it's important that. Um, in our view, that, that uh, China be precluded from accessing that type of extremely leading edge technology. Why? Well, because it's capable of developing the semiconductors that are going to go into you know, the hypersonic weapons you know, that are going to feed directly into the capabilities of the PLA. Okay. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate you. All right. My pleasure. Thank you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.